Good afternoon. You're listening to The Secret Ingredients. I'm Denise Evering. And I'm Paul Chartrand. And uh, we're talking about the invisible elements of art that make it meaningful and how art can connect publics and inspire conversation and collaboration. This is a big question. Oh, yeah. <laughs> how does culture inspire collaboration and, and connectivity between people? Um, I was reading a little bit of Henri Lefebvre um, last night in preparation for today's show. We're going to be talking with uh, SIN, which is um, a Montreal-based urban exploration atelier, which is the French word for a studio. Everything sounds great in French. Um, and it's comprised of architecturally trained artists Jean-Maxime Dufresne, Luc Levesque, and Jean-François Prost. Uh, these guys work together to create interventions in public space in ways that are extremely fun and um, thought-provoking. And um, they remind me about how important Henri Lefebvre's work was to architecture and the built environment. Um, Henri Lefebvre, in June of 1986, he applied to the International Competition for New Belgrade Urban Structure Improvement, along with a couple other architects. And in his paper proposal to New Belgrade, he has this beautiful quote, um, which I think uh, relates a little bit to the work of Sin. Hmm. I'm going to read it, and then maybe we can talk about it. Um, little by little, solitude settle like grains of sand in the urban tissue and restrict its flexibility. Solitude of individuals, solitude of families, within the family, the group, the neighborhood, the apartment building, the office. Solitude engenders inertia and when collective, weighs on the social life and movement of the community. It prevents solidarity and sociability and compromises the development of the individual and the collectivity. So he seems to be talking about how, um, knowing that he's thinking about architecture, he's mm -hmm. talking about how the built environment might actually work to separate us instead of bring us together. And this is precisely what Sin's project InfraCampus, which took place here over the last year and a half on the campus of the University of Guelph, is about. It's about the built environment and how spaces enable and, and prevent people from connecting. Um, so I guess I'm wondering what you guys think about that quote, not to put you on the spot or anything. But I love <laughs> I love this metaphor of this like atrophying um, community, you know, like the sand is settling in, the joints are getting more, um, less flexible and the connections are, are more difficult. So I've, do you think that he thinks of each person as, the, as a grain of sand and that those are getting stuck in the structure of the city itself? Mm, no, I think it's the spaces that are the sand that mm. are, are serving to separate. I know um, even just our movement towards um, our focus on suburbia means that people are spending more time apart and more time uh, as one family unit and then rooms separate them people into, into one person. Mm. instead of communal living. Yeah, getting more and more effective at um, separating space and making sure everybody has their own private area as opposed to like having um, a central area for everybody mm -hmm. to gather yeah. and then having your own uh, separate like sleeping and like retreat space. Mm -hmm. 
It's amazing how private you can feel when you're wearing an iPod and walking down the street. <laughs> yeah. Like how, mm-hmm. un, how unresponsible you are for other people and, and the social the social that, that can happen. Yeah. Well, so then it's not just space. It's also... Um, mindset. Yeah. Yeah. I'm amazed at how easy it is to say hello to people in the street um, with Guelph. It's a it's a city that you can talk to anybody and you can say hello to anybody. It's mm-hmm. um, it's not uh, like bigger cities where people kind of don't look you in the eye. So I've always I've always really liked that about Guelph since moving here. You can go into the the bookshelf and have a chat with whoever's there. Yep. Yeah. It's true. It's great. Um, so we're going to be chatting with Sin today about their their project called InfraCampus. They explored existing spaces on campus, misused spaces, underused spaces, ones that are completely ambiguous in nature, some that are student-run. And they worked closely with students in a bunch of different departments to ask the question, how can we engage the campus as a place for fostering new kinds of actions and social configurations? Mm-hmm. And how, how can we question existing uses and perceptions? So I'm really looking forward to chatting with, with these guys on the phone. Mm-hmm. I think first, we're going to listen to some music, right, Paul? Yeah. Uh, we're going to listen to some new material from Grizzly Bear. They're an American indie band. And this is from their 2012 uh, album, Shields. And the song is called... Uh, Gunshy. There's a really good music video if you have a chance to check it out. Mm. This is almost a perfect album, I have to say. again. We're back at The Secret Ingredient. This is CFRU 93.3 FM on your FM dial or online at CFRU.ca. And today we're in the st- we're actually going to do a call-in interview with SIN, which is a Montreal-based urban ex- exploration atelier. We've got Jean-Maxime Dufresne and Jean-François Prost on the line. Are you there, guys? Yeah, we're there. Hey! hey. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> So Thank you so much for agreeing to be a part of the uh, the show today. It's a pleasure, Lisa and Anika. <laughs> We're here with um, with Paul Chartrand also, who is um, a student in the specialized studio program in the School of Fine Art and Music here at the University of Guelph. Great. Hi guys, it's nice to meet you. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Hello. So we uh, we have some questions for you about your project InfraCampus, which um, which happened here in Guelph in the, over the last year and a half and culminated in this fantastic series of zines. Um, one of the things about this project that uh, is really fascinating is just how it kind of categorizes all of the spaces available on campus and um, gives a sense of how people appropriate space. One of the things that's really stuck stuck with me is the common lounges in the McKinnon building and how people are, are varying the common lounge as a way to express themselves. So the, the philosophy department has um, some beautiful sort of 
dried reeds in the back corner by their window. The economics department has plants. The School of English has some very stern-looking chairs. And then the English and theater studies department has a cork board. So everybody's using these spaces um, in different ways. It's a really, it's a really fantastic survey of the campus. Yeah, um, I think um, I think it was the intention, you know, an initial intention to, uh, you know, to work with the campus that's that's very eclectic. It's a very eclectic mix. It's a heritage of modernist buildings that come from the '60s, from the genesis of the campus, and there's a lot of work with the perception of these buildings. We we uh, through through workshops in the studio we did there with the students we. Uh, slowly understood that these buildings were like the, I guess, the containers. They were built for, um, you know, to hoard. Well, they were built to hold a large number of students, and they're still holding a large number of students. And a lot of things go on in these uh, in these four buildings. If you know, if you think of South Residence, uh, the UC Center, the you know, the McKinnon Building, you're, you know, that, that you're pointing at. And um, it was important to get a, um, you know, to talk to people about. Mem- you know about perhaps the softer infrastructures that go on into these buildings. How how people actually creatively appropriate those spaces. How mm-hmm. there's all these kind of relational strategies to um, to to face the um, you know you know uh, a kind of architectural agenda that doesn't go through uh, all that well, especially with South residents. So um, the work of the RAs there. So it was really key to talk to students about this and, and to get their own narratives about these spaces. And you, what, uh, you talked shapes, with... Uh, it shapes the perception of these spaces. Yeah. yeah, you talked with students from lots of different departments too, gender studies, landscape architecture, anthropology, studio art, and, and many staff members too. And one of the things we're wondering was um, how you found these spaces on campus impact people in specific ways and, and what you learned directly from the students and staff of the university here. Well, I think one thing important to note is that the, the community of universities is more and more diverse. I mean, it's um, people coming from very different um, areas. So um, that fact has, has changed a lot um, in the nature of the, the space and the interaction. And um, so I, I think that that's an aspect that we wanted to take in consideration. And that's the reason why our workshops at the beginning were not I- exclusively um, oriented to one group of students or to one faculty, it was really open to to all. So mm-hmm. that was kind of an important aspect for mm-hmm. us, for the kind of an interdisciplinary side of it. But it's a it's something quite amazing because when we we do make a co- open call to those workshops, we never know exactly who will be there. And so we ended up with uh, students from um, you know international development, some from agriculture, some. So it creates really a mix and an interaction between students, between the faculties, which sometimes we found, at least w- what students told us, was missing sometimes. Mm. Um, you know, in daily life on the campus, was that kind of uh, uh, how would you say like overlap um, between uh, knowledge from all those different areas? And I think that's something that 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 seemed to uh, you know happen within the workshops when we did the walks on the campus and where each one proposed a space and we did a mapping and then um, we from from those propositions we we did a night walk where we reunited those different spaces spontaneously that were proposed so it really for us it's really important that um, the substance and and the essential base of the observations came from the students and not from us because um, I think in the traditional way of doing it that often at least in architecture the um, the proposition or the uh, always comes more from the architect rather than from the users mm-hmm. or from those who are in the space. So for us, this reverse, reversing 
the process for us um, was important. Yeah, you have worked a lot with architectural forms and the built environment for um, a lot of your careers. Um, and architecture is traditionally a kind of introspective and solitary um, profession, but your work kind of builds bridges between architecture and spaces and people. And uh, I think in your pa- in the past, you've done a project called Ubotes Dancers. <laughs> Yeah, um, well, I'm not Um, sure that architecture is really introspective uh, or solitary. I Mm. I think that uh, contrary Mm. to to art, in fact, it's very, um, I mean, doing architecture um, means uh, working with uh, clients, engineers, um, with many different types of expertise. I think where where the thing, where, I mean, the question is, is not that architecture is it, um, you know, does it, it's, it's how, with who do you participate? How with right. who do you, do you uh, inform the work? So and how do you participate with them, too? Originally, yeah, mm. it's always been done more with the expertise or the experts, let's mm-hmm. say, of lightning, of all those different aspects, but rarely of, you know, the, the different, the other users of the space, you know, and the other people of the space that, that, that are there that could be students. And also the, the fact that often um, this participation, it's also the way it's done. Often it's done in a very kind of instrumentalized way. That means that the, the, the participation is, is more always, you know, it's always the problem of falling into the trap of, of just consultation for mm, consultation. Yes. I mean, and we've lived a bit this in Quebec recently where, you know, you, you do an open forum about education. And in fact, what it ends up being is that the results have already been predetermined before this <laughs> the dialogue. So, yeah. I mean, that's, that's They're what coming happens. They're coming at it with an agenda. Yeah. 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 So you look for more of a collaborative approach. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I think it was, uh, you know, another thing that was uh, key to this um, tip for campus, and uh, if we talk about architecture, is that there's a lot of, we felt there was um, a kind of bubble effect on campus, which is almost like bubbles among amongst a larger bubble of campus. Right. The and campus is itself a bubble, and then there are bubbles inside. The campus inside. being a bubble itself, but also the faculties having, yeah. being so immersed with, with their everyday um I guess the you know the everyday undertakings um, that that the students we had for the summer studio were really um, were really keen on looking um, you know outside of the box in terms of their faculties and on trying to bridge maybe a more transversal approach to building knowledge about campus and it's uh, it's something that they uh, that was co-created especially uh, using the archives of the um, of the. Um, of the, library? Uh, of the McLaughlin Library yeah. as well as going There's with some fantastic uh, the, the pictures children. in the zines. Sorry, sorry? To, sorry to interrupt, but there's some pa- fantastic pictures in the zines of the study carols and how they used to look 50 years ago <laughs> and now how they look today and how they've reversed all of the plans to sort of have custom-made furniture and now that all the furniture is sort of uh, standardized and, and purchased by the same... Uh, from the same from places. The same places. Yeah. Often well, as well, other well, university that's campuses. The, that's the paradox is that what's happening also at Guelph campus and in many campuses is that all the furniture, the custom-made furniture, has been replaced by generic furniture. And so mm. we questioned ourselves for the, the research we did with students and, and for the document and different people that, you know, uh, what exactly has become is the singularity? You know, what's the experience of being on campus if, if everything becomes the same as in every campus? So this furniture is sold in, all, in many campuses all over the United States and, and, and Canada. And so, um, right. you know, the, the paradox is that if you want to bring students to campus, you have to, on the contrary, create an experience and to make it singular. 
because um, people with new technology will just stay at home. So, so, so on the contrary, maybe. So you want people to work together in a way. We should be going the other way um, and thinking how we can make it a really personal, creative space. Right. How do you work with collaboration and conversation and negotiation as a group within your your own um, practice, but with others that you create the work? We've been working with um, a number of different uh, actors or agents. I don't know how how we could, you know, how these could be called, but uh, we've worked with people at uh, from the Binet Ellen Gallery in Montreal on these uh, urban workshops that mm-hmm. were actually made prior to making the the series in Guelph. So that whole work was really key to uh, understanding how. You know how campuses, universities are interacting with the city. So we got students from UCAM, we got students from Concordia, as well as staff members. So we're we're really interested in the kind of um, the outsider into these processes, trying to bring people that are, um, as uh, you know, as Jean-François has talked about, trying to break up the expertise bubble and trying mm-hmm. to bring yeah. up these yeah. outsiders from the, uh, you know, towards the inside. So yeah. Well, we don't, we don't, often we don't really have a predetermined group, you know, I, I know there are some who, who prefer, who determine, like you do an artistic project and you decide you work with one community mm-hmm. of, of persons, which, which is another way of functioning, but in our case, I think we, 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 we kind of introduce a concept or an idea and then we see, see who, who kind comes of, forward. Um, you know, who's interested in kind of, um, of <laughs> gluing themselves onto mm-hmm. to our projects, and <laughs> I think that's happening in Montreal, we were working in the red light district, and and um, suddenly, of course, we just ended up with our, our with our element on the streets and our furniture, and we ended up with our mobile uh, pool table that we were working with with a lot of homeless people um, on the streets, and 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 who was there, in fact. So um, mm-hmm. it went from sex trade, everything that, that that was there on the streets. So so yeah, so it, it kind of evolves. Uh, it's not something again like we we really predetermine. Um, yeah. You know. See these actions as a kind of social catalyst, also, just to get a conversation going and maybe trying to get, uh, trying to start or trigger another kind of process that could be more, uh, more, inv- you know, involving more people into the process. So another action we did in Paris a few, you know, a few years ago, uh, we actually le- we actually left the table, a, a foosball table, at the end to uh, a youth organization that was going to continue the process. So that's a, it's a, you know, it's a micro cost. It's a micro scale, but we're looking into the, um, I guess, the micro politics of it, uh, you know, as well, trying to see what kind of um, creative appropriation people can be up to. Mm-hmm. And it's not even about scale when we talk about micro, about micro politics. It's more about creating this kind of, uh, this contagious effect of involving people and, and perhaps creating a bigger, uh, you know, a larger kind of, um, a larger energy buildup around a project or right. uh, some some problematic, like yeah. maybe is occurring a bit within for campus, uh, as we as we've seen through the three phases of the of the the workshops, then the studio, and then the zine making, which is actually it was actually like a culmination or an assemblage of the work that was done prior to um, prior in. Uh, in the earlier months before. Mm-hmm. So Jean-Maxime and Jean-François, you've worked in Paris, in Montreal, and in, in Guelph, and I know you've worked in a number of other places around around the world recently. I think we've really um, appreciated speaking with you. We have probably time for one more question. Great. 
the one question that we've been kind of asking our guests, we've been wondering if you guys could give us an idea of what you think the secret ingredient in art um, as a, a kind of whole would be. Well, I, th- I, I would think it's like try not to make it art <laughs> or at least don't try to make it art because, I mean, that's, that's the way you open, you open the process up. Uh, you put mm. It's not thinking and trying too hard to make it art. I think I think we, in our work, I mean, we've been you know reappropriated by by different art groups and different things, which is which is great. But I, I mean, it's not something that we really think about, and we never really try to situate ourselves um, necessarily in in one field or the other. So I think I think it's keeping the process open um, when you're doing when you're doing art, and then you you might find your own. Uh, your own way or your own mm. kind of singularity or sensible um you know sensible sensibility to 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 an element or to space that um that you wouldn't have yeah foreseen that's great advice yeah that's awesome <laughs> joe maxim do you want to add anything to that well yeah i think uh, i think jean was was talking about this uh this I guess invisible effect of art and how how it is uh it's more about uh trespassing different fields and not naming it for itself we we actually rarely use the word any any artistic intervention we we it's not a word that we use to uh to justify what's been done with sense so it's more about trying to you know it's a research based practice that looks into uh that forays into these unexpected um uh ventures perhaps into uh into other kinds of territories, like, you know, it could be Paris, uh, 18th arrondissement, or it could be Guelph's campus. Uh, yeah. Well, thank you both so much for joining us on the show today. Um, we will talk to you soon in another place, I hope. <laughs> Great, Elise and Danica. Nice to talk to you. Nice Paul, to talk so. to you guys. Thank you, guys. Merci bien. All right. Au revoir. Au revoir. <laughs> that was Sin. Uh, we were speaking with Jean-François Proust and Jean-Maxime um, today about their work in for campus on Guelph. Jean-Maxime Dufresne. Sorry, I had a little moment there. Couldn't remember <laughs> his last name. Um, I think we have a small announcement to make about an event that's coming up. Uh, yes. Uh, on next Tuesday, on March 5th at uh, 6 p.m., Charles Stankovic, is, uh, he's a Berlin-based artist, and he's going to be speaking as the first guest lecture of the Musagetti's SOFAM uh, visiting artist series. And he's speaking at the McDonald Stewart Art Center and the lecture is free. Join us. Do we want to hear some more music? Yeah, we'll listen to one last song. We're going to play uh, Bruce Peninsula's Northbound, Southbound. This has been The Secret Ingredient on CFRU 93.3 FM. Gentlemen, sniff out the girl. <laughs> 